microphone and introduce my favourite preacher, our pastor, Melissa. Thank you. Looking forward to your word. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jacob. I didn't think I'd ever get up here. My gosh, am I actually holding this mic? So good. Um, Mel, amazingly, she serves week in, week out. So we just want to say thank you so much. Even with your sore foot, your injury, you're just a team player. You'd never want to let the team down. So we say thank you. And uh, we have exciting news as well. It's news that maybe some of you do know. But Daisy and Daniel are pregnant. (laughs) We're going to have a little baby in the house. Woo! So we're super excited about that. I don't know, maybe four months, three months, four months, four, five, four. Okay. So that's super exciting. Welcome to our online viewers and, uh, and welcome to all you guys here as well. It's good to be in God's house, eh? Yeah, it's cool. I'm happy. <laughs> we're preaching on the test this morning. So, so for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about financial kingdom principles. And you might think, oh, how boring. Because sometimes it's a bit like that. You know, it's not overly inspiring, you know. But it's the second most topic that Jesus Christ talked about when he walked this earth. The first was the kingdom of God. And the second, he talked about money. And so it's important that we teach this and that we unpack it and that we receive revelation on it. It's so very key. And because God knows that it's important that we uh, have a healthy relationship with money. You know, you can have an unhealthy relationship money with money and you can have a healthy relationship with money. You know, the way we understand it, the way we handle it, the way we manage it, the way we view it, our mindsets in regards to money is so key and so integral, really is a test for us all, hence why we've called it the test. And so we're going to see when we read, uh, re- read in Luke chapter 16, verse 10 to 11, this is the passion. It says this, now this is Jesus speaking, The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? Amazing scripture, eh? We're going to read it in the King James right now. It says this, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye, 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 do you guys, do people really speak like that? (laughs) Ye have... I've lost my spot. Have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to to your trust the true riches. Two different translations there. And so the exact context that Jesus Christ is talking about in this scripture, he's talking about money. And yes, we use it uh, in other places and it still applies, but he's literally talking uh, about money. And he's saying that it is the least in God's kingdom. So we just read, he that is faithful in that which is least, he's talking about money in general. He's calling money the least. It's the least significant. It's the least important. Yet the test comes in the way we handle it. The test comes in the way we manage it, if we are faithful, if we don't cheat with it. So he's saying it's the least. I consider it the least. I consider money the least important. But how you handle it is so very key in God's eyes. 
if we are faithful, if we don't treat, uh, cheat with it, then we can be trusted with much. And he's not talking about necessarily more money. He's talking about true riches. He's talking about eternal treasures. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about things that stand the test of time, things that won't be burnt away. That's what he's talking about there. The way we handle money, God uses as a test to propel us into all that he has for us. There's a connection there. He uses it to promote us to greater responsibilities in the kingdom of God. There's a connection between the kingdom of God and the way we handle money. And that's why it was the two most uh, talked about topics that Jesus spoke about when he walked this earth. And he wants us to get that. It's so important that we understand that. It's so key in how we view and handle our money. And so the first thing we have to understand is that everything is God's. Everything is his. Everything. God is the owner of everything. And so in Psalm 50, 10 to 13, it says this, Every animal of field and forest belongs to me, the creator. I know every movement of the birds in the sky and every animal of the field in my thoughts. The entire world and everything it contains is mine. If I were hungry... Do you think I would tell you? All right then, God. (laughs) For all that I've created, the fullness of the earth is mine. And so God doesn't need anything from us. In fact, it's the opposite. He's trying to get stuff to us. He doesn't need anything from us. And this is the revelation we first have to get, that everything we have is God's. The money sitting in your bank account right now is not really yours, it's God's. This church is not mine, it's God's. I understand that. He's put me here as a vessel for this time in the role of senior pastor, but it's not my church, it's his church. He provides for his church. He builds his church. This is God's church. This is his ministry. And so when Jesus taught on money, he wasn't trying to get the people's money. He was trying to teach them spiritual principles that would change their life and their family's lives too. And so we understood though that he had to get people to a place where they worshipped God and not money. And so in Jesus says in Matthew 6:24, how could you worship two gods at the same time? You'll have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the God, the true God while enslaved to the God of money. And so when it comes to money with Jesus, he's after our hearts. He wants to have all of us. He wants to capture our hearts. There can only be one first place. You know, I know these days with the, the kids with school, it's like everyone's a winner. <laughs> Everyone gets a medal. Everyone gets a trophy. You know, everyone's in first place. But there can only be one first place. You like that, don't you, Jacob? <laughs> there can only be one true God, the Lord God Almighty. And so making money and having money is not bad within itself. It's not money that is evil. It's the love of money that's evil. It's, it's putting... It's putting money before God. It's earning, it's earning money before God. Making it an idol in your life. And so we need to be clear from the start as well. It doesn't matter uh, if you have little or if you have plenty. 
It's not about how much you have, but the way you handle money. And so I've personally learned a lot about finances, and I'm still learning, mind you, I'm still learning. But there's a great guy called Dave Ramsey. He's a, an amazing uh, financial Christian finance guru. And then the other guy is Robert Morris. So he's written two incredible books. The first one is called The Blessed Life and then the other one is called Beyond Bless. And they're uh, amazing books. So if you want to get your hands on it, they're awesome. So some of this stuff is from those books. But I've seen some amazing things within my own personal finances but also within our church as well, which has been fantastic. But today we're going to start by having a look at the simplest test. The simplest test there is, the most basic principle and it's it's foundational it's why we teach it in our growth track and we teach it in our new christians course as well and it's good to get this right while you're figuring out the rest it's so important and i'm ever so grateful that when i was being discipled that i got taught this early in my christian walk and that is the tithe and so in malachi 3:10 it says this bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple if you do says the Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord of heaven's armies. How cool is that? I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. It's, it's God saying, I dare you. <laughs> the, the God that, that spans the universe with the palm of his hand, he's saying, I dare you. Put me to the test. Are you courageous enough to step up to the test? And the cool thing is, is that he just wants to pour out blessing and more blessing and then some more blessing so that you don't have room enough to contain it. I dare you, he says, put me to the test. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord. Put me to the test. I love it the God of the universe saying that to us. And so if you don't know the biblical definition of tithe, tithe means a tenth part. It means literally means 10%. That's what it means. And so God is saying, bring 10% of your income, bring 10% of your earnings into my house, into my temple, into your home church. And we need to be clear that it's not other ministries or other missions or giving to other people. Like right now, this scripture is talking about into God's house. Why? So that there may be food in my house, spiritual food in my house. And I'm not saying it's not good to give to those other places. I, I encourage we give personally to those other places and, and our church gives to missions and to, to the poor and, and to people in general directly. But right now we're talking about the tithe you know we, it's you know when you're in God's kingdom it's really quite simple it's just layer upon layer you know you've got your foundations and you've got to get your foundation right to keep building it's so integral and so the first 10 percent belongs to God's house and so in Malachi's day they were ignoring God's command they weren't they weren't doing what what God had asked them to do and so and really it was because they feared of losing what they'd worked so hard for and I don't think it's any different today human nature is kind of like well what's mine is mine I worked hard for that money you know what's mine is mine 
Yet kingdom thinking is it's better to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. And so some people rebel against the structure or rebel against God's initial command and, and they'll say, yeah, but I give, I still give, but I give on my own terms. But God set certain things in place. It's a key financial principle. It's foundational to what he's calling us to and it works. It works. And so we have to remember that there's a connection once again to that scripture that I just spoke about. There's a connection between handling and being faithful and not cheating with what I call the least. And don't forget, he calls money the least. And that connection with true riches and eternal treasures and, and, and walking and stepping into and advancing God's kingdom salvations, so important. It's connected. Test me in this, says the Lord. And so the first 10% of your income belongs to God's house. And so um, I've been doing this since I was a student at Adult and Teen Challenge when I was recovering drug addict at the bottom of Australia in a terrible place <laughs> called Esperance. No, I'm kidding. It's amazing. It's so beautiful down there. But I used to get $20 a fortnight. And uh, I know. <laughs> and, but I would give my $2 tithe. I would give my $2 tithe and you think, why bother? But, but God sees all. He's after the heart. He's after obedience. Again, it's not about how little or how much. It's how obedient you are and how faithful you are with what he has given you. You know the story about the poor woman with the two small copper coins, you know, worth, uh, worth less than a penny, and she put it in. Jesus was watching, by the way. That scripture makes me laugh. He was literally watching as the people came and put money in the bucket. And, uh, and he said to her that she gave the larger offering, even though her, her offering was the smallest, she gave the largest, larger than larger offerings because it was about her heart and it was about sacrifice. And so you might say, well, isn't tithing Old Testament? You know, isn't the law done away with? And yes, the law is done away with. We know that when Jesus Christ came, he came to give us something better. But the law also said, thou shall not kill, right? It's still a good thing not to kill today, correct? You know, we've got to be smart when we take it through the cross. And so we take it through the cross and do we still have God's house? Do we still need spiritual food? Do we still need to operate God's house? Do we still have pastors and ministers? The answer is yes. Okay, yes, it's not the law. Yes, it's grace. But when we bring it through the cross, it still stands. Abraham and Jacob tithed before the law. Moses put it in the law, yet we still tithe after the law. It's so key. It's so foundational. It's so important. And we have to get this first. Jesus confronted the Pharisees in the book of uh, Matthew, the New Testament, and he said, don't neglect the tithe. But also remember justice, mercy and faithfulness. And so once you have the tithe locked in, uh, your next step is consistency. Your next step is consistency through the good times and the bad. Always just putting God first. And when you first start, you don't always see immediate results either. And you may cry out to God, and you say, you said, 
You said you'd pour out the heavens and pour out so much blessing, I cannot contain it. I'm still struggling down here. You said. And sometimes you might even feel like you're going a little bit backwards when you first start tithing, but don't give up. You need to persevere. It's so key. It's so important. You know, our church has always given generously to missions, uh, yet last October as a church board, we decided to give 10% of our tithes to our mission. So we decided to tithe on the tithe. And a few months into it, I'm looking at our bank account and I'm thinking, what have we done? <laughs> I even think I said it to Dan a few times, why have we made this decision? Things were tough, things were tight. We're like, how are we going to pay the bills? Yet we believed we'd heard from God. We understood it was better to give than to receive. We knew that God had spoken. And so we continued on and we persevered and we stood on God's truth and the foundation of his word. And so we kept going. And in the last few months, we've seen incredible uh, things within our finances as a church. It's been amazing. And so we've been able to just recently give considerable amounts to different ministries. And I believe that's just the start. (laughs) That is just the start. And so I want to encourage you, if you've just started tithing and you're struggling, keep going. Persevere. God's word is God's word. It is truth. He is a man of his word. In Psalm 19, verse 7 to 9, it says this. The revelation of God is whole and pulls our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. And that's the thing, it shows the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. If you've known me long enough, you know I love that scripture. (laughs) Jacob's like, get over that scripture already. But how can you get over it? His reputation is 24 karat gold. His decisions are accurate down to the nth degree. You can stand rock solid on his word. And when he says something, you can expect great things. You can expect great things. So when he says in Malachi, you can expect it. But we need to persevere. You know, my kids are always saying to me, oh, you said this and you said that. And I'm like, oh, what did I say that for? (laughs) The latest was just this week. You said when we got back from Mandra, we're going to play Monopoly. I was like, did I? (laughs) That's the worst idea ever. (laughs) But anyway, we needed to do that. But, But we need to be the same with God. You said this. You said that. And stand on his word. It's so key. And God's not like you and me. Oh, what did I say that for? He's like, yes and amen. Yes and amen. And here it is. By the way, I did play Monopoly, didn't we? On Friday night. (laughs) Just for the record. But we have to surrender to the world system. We have to surrender to the world system, to our own ways, to what we want and think, to doing it God's way. It's so important, not on our own terms, but on his. And so once tithing becomes a non-negotiable and consistent in your life, um, and for us, it's not even a discussion anymore. Any income comes in, 10% goes straight into this church. That's it. We don't even talk about it. It's just locked in. Anything that comes in, 10% straight into the church. 
Um, but then you get into offerings. So this is where you start to give over and above your tithe, which then you can give where your heart leads, which is pretty cool. So if you've got a heart for drug-addicted families, that's where your heart leads. This is called offerings over and above your tithe. You know, those that are affected by domestic violence, uh, compassion children, um, the different, different, you know, you might like to give to people personally, which is always fun, just blessing people. Hey, here's 100 bucks. Here's 200 bucks. It's fun. But you've got to get the foundations right. You've got your tithe and then your offerings is over and above. And so, again, it's just layer upon layer. You know, God is pretty simple like that. You know, he likes it. He's pretty, and so, um, so even though myself and Jacob, we, we've tithed, you know, we've always tithed and once we, you know, and we've had our ups and downs, don't, we haven't been perfect in it, don't get me wrong, now it's a non-negotiable, it's locked in, it's consistent, but we've had, you know, and you learn grace and everything along the way, um, which is key, but, and that's the thing as well, it's so important, it's not a salvation issue, if you don't tithe, you're still saved. <laughs> you don't tithe you're still righteous before God it's not a salvation issue at all and so anyway we've seen awesome miracles you know we've seen bills paid miraculously uh, awesome favor financially when we're getting married uh, you know things happen when we're building our house it's been it's been we've never gone without you know miracle after miracle it's been great but yet as much as we were giving and God was looking after us we weren't really making significant progress and so um, what we discovered and the way Robert Morris describes it is that just as you need two legs in life to walk and to move forward, it's the same with finances. And so what you need both generosity and good stewardship. Two legs, generosity and good stewardship to really win with money. And so we had the generosity part happening, you know, the tithe, um, the giving to missions, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, the church building fund. We understood those principles well, yet it was the stewardship part where we, our leg was a bit wonky, wasn't it? It, it, it was like we're hopping around kind of on one leg. And so we needed to strengthen the other leg, you know, and because and by nature we are both spenders. By nature we are spenders. And so that doesn't help when you're trying to do good stewardship. And so our, our other leg needed some healing. And so we weren't acting our wage, you know. We were spending probably more than we earned, which isn't smart. Uh, we, we had debts, you know, credit cards. And they're so easy, easy and widely accepted, you know. You, they, just, they just send them in the mail. Hey, do you want to increase to $50,000? <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, but not that we had 50 grand. But they so freely give you that stuff, don't they? It's like they get you in. Uh, you know, we barely had savings. And so you can be generous, you can be generous and yet not be a good steward and you'll go around in circles, yeah. which is where we were at. Generous, not good stewards, going around in circles. But then you have people that manage their money well. You know, they, they have financial goals, they, they're not in debt, they have savings, yet they're not generous. And God calls us to be generous a little stingy and so they're going around in circles too and so if you're a good steward but not generous then God can't bless you some more because you're blessed to be a blessing it's so key you're blessed to be a blessing 
The whole purpose of, of blessing is so you can bless others. God is looking for people that will pass on the blessing. On this side, you've got resource, and on this side, you have need, and in the middle is you. And so God will bless you, but he needs to get it through you. If it stops here, he's not going to want to keep giving you some more. So as Robert Morris puts it, he's looking for rivers, not reservoirs. So he's looking for it to flow through people. And so we need two strong legs, generosity and good stewardship to really win with money. And so it all comes back to being faithful with what you have. That's what it comes back to. And so God is looking to see who handles their money well. And so for us, as much as God was looking after us, we went to a whole nother level when we began to be better stewards of our money. Two strong legs instead of hopping around on one leg. Doesn't, it sounds weird. It's the same with finances. It's, if you put it simply, you need two legs to walk forward in life. You need two strong legs to really win with money, generosity and good stewardship. And so the first decision we made was to get out of debt. First, very first decision. Romans 13, 8 says this, Let no debt outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And so we made a commitment uh, a number of years ago to do everything we could to get out of debt. And so we cut up our credit cards. We didn't go on holidays. Uh, we only purchased what we really needed and not what, you know, sometimes you think your wants and needs. Shaka's like, I really need, I need this, this fishing rod or this fishing reel. <laughs> Lately, there's just, I've, it's like, how many rods do you need? <laughs> um, but we had a brand new Jeep at the time. It was on loan and, and, and so we sold that and we're like, we don't want the repayment. So we got real serious, like really, really serious about getting out of debt. And uh, so we applied the Dave Ramsey teaching, basically. It's called the Snowball Debt Repayment. And so what you do, save $1,000, cut up your credit cards, start with your smallest debt first, pay it off and move on to the next one. Pay it off, move on to the next one. Pay it off, move on to the next one. And so with every debt gone except your mortgage. It's amazing what happens when you start making decisions that are in line with God's word. He begins to move powerfully. And so you take that first step and God loves it and he starts blessing it. And we began to see real financial breakthrough and supernatural favour. And the more we focused on paying off the debts, the more miracles were happening. It was incredible. And what should have taken way longer than a year only took one year. It was an absolute miracle. Were we still tithing? Yes. Were we still giving? Yes. Because again, they're, the found they're foundational. Yes, we're still doing those things. The generosity leg, it was strong. We're working on the good stewardship part, that leg. That's what we're doing. And so when you do what you need to do in the natural, God adds the supernatural, doesn't he? And it's not one or the other, it's both. We have to do what we need to do in the natural and then God just throws on the supernatural. And so and another commitment we did was we started acting our wage, our age and our wage. <laughs> we began to spend less than we earn. And for some, that's a no-brainer. Of course, but when you have two spenders, that takes discipline and it's called delayed gratification. <laughs> delayed gratification, I know. I heard a story uh, about a way of budgeting for a family 
And so whenever the wife or the kids or the husband wanted something and it wasn't in the budget, they would say, I really want to get that for you, but Mr. Budget says no. So it was always Mr. Budget's fault. And so one time they're on their way to McDonald's, and this is in America, and uh, apparently there's some deal that you could get on a Friday night. You could buy a Happy Meal without the toy, right? For a certain, I don't know, maybe a dollar or something. And so they're driving to McDonald's, and the little three-year-old in the back seat goes, uh, can I please have a toy tonight? And um, the mum goes, look, we really want to get you the toy, but Mr. Budget says no. And then they reckon they heard from the back seat, I want Mr. Budget to die. (laughs) (laughs) And so I can relate. It's painful at times, isn't it? Dying to the flesh, those things that you really want and you try to pretend that they're needs, delayed gratification. But, you know, it's the peace and the joy and the fulfilment that comes when you're right and smack bang in the middle of God's will and doing what you know you should do is so much better, really. Being faithful with what God considers the least. Being a person of integrity. And so the question is, is where are you on the journey? Where are you personally? I've told a bit of our story um, to hopefully help, but where are you personally on the journey? How do you view and handle money? How do you view... You can jump up if you like. (laughs) How do you view and handle money? What is your next step in regards to doing things God's way with money? And we're all at different stages. We're all at different stages in this. For you, it could be uh, to begin tithing. You've never tithed before. You've either not agreed with it or you've tried to do it on your own terms or, or whatever it may be, but maybe that's your first step. For some of us, it might be just becoming more consistent. You know, you've tithed, but on your terms, you know, you've given out of your surplus or when you feel the need to. But maybe your next step is just to get consistent, week in, week out, being obedient to God's word. Maybe that's your next step. For some of us, it might be a commitment to getting out of debt. You know, you're living outside of your means. You're living off credit cards. You're living in debt. And it might feel good at the time, but you have that hanging over you. And maybe your next step is to get out of debt. For some of us, like myself and Jake, you need to start acting your wage. Put your budget together. And when hubby or wife says, well, I really, 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 it was like, well, I'm really sorry, Mr. Budget, says no. Discipline and delayed gratification. They don't sound like nice things, but nice things, but they're, they're good for us. You make tracks when you put these things in place. Maybe your next step is you've, um, you're not in debt and you, you uh, spend less than you earn. Maybe your next step is you want to put some savings together. Maybe you want to have three months worth of expenses. And so that's the next step in the Dave Ramsey teaching. Once you get rid of all your debts, then to have three, month, three to six months of savings in your bank account. Maybe that's your next step. And you know, it's so important that couples are on the same page as well. Maybe your next step is to sit down with your husband or your wife and and unpack some of this stuff and have the conversation. It's like, well, what do we want? What do we want to do? 
and make some decisions so that you can take your next step forward because you have to be on the same page. You know, God is wanting to bring stuff to you. He's trying to get stuff to you. He doesn't want to take it away from you. He wants to get stuff to you. He's waiting to entrust you with greater things in God's kingdom. There's a connection. Eternal treasures, true riches, greater responsibilities. He's waiting to promote you. We read in Luke chapter 16, verse 10, the one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity, the little meaning money, money in general, will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with eternal treasures of the spiritual world? Imagine if we collectively got really good at the way we handled and viewed money individually, but as a church as well. Imagine that. Imagine the things that that we would see, the advancement in God's kingdom, the eternal treasures, the salvations, things that stand the test of time, things that matter for eternity. If you think about that for a minute, if we all collectively got really good and really faithful and really consistent, got our foundations in place, imagine the true riches. I just want to encourage us as a church, think about your next step and make a commitment today. What's your next step? And make a commitment today. Is that all right? Does that sound good? I know what my next step is. We'll talk later. (laughs) Or you can talk to me. But let's give it to God. I'm not even going to pray. I want you to pray right now. You talk to God and and you pray and and speak to him about your next step and make that commitment to God. doesn't really matter what I say at the end of the day. It's what you're going to do, really. So let's just listen to the keys and I'll be quiet. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're a generous God, that you just want good things for your kids, Lord. You teach us how we can live our best life. You teach, you say that you put us on earth to have dominion, to rule, to walk in authority, to walk in blessing, to walk in power, to walk in influence.
that you want to give us true riches, that you open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing on our lives that we won't have room enough for it. We'll have to give it away. We have to be a conduit. Lord, that we would catch your heart. Lord, that we would catch your heart. For those that have you've spoken to and have made commitments, Lord, I just, just release a grace to see it through. Just release a grace to see it through. It's great to start a matter, but it's better to finish. Hallelujah. Just while every head's bowed and every eye's closed. Um, I love talking about money because it's just so close to our hearts. You might say, well, money's not important, but you go to work eight hours a day, five days a week for money. So it probably is important. But what God's really interested in is your heart. Well, all everything we've been talking about, Melissa has touched on the heart stuff, and but it's got really practical about interacting with the heart. What God's interested in is your heart. All the instructions in the Bible, ultimately they're about your heart. God wants your heart. And I just want to give you the opportunity right now, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never opened up your life and said, Jesus, here I am, come into my heart. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Just as a church, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and if you're joining us online, that includes you. This is your moment to not just trust God with your heart, but the Bible says as you make that decision to, to put your trust in Him, it says that you step out of death and into life, into eternal life, into the most amazing life possible. Doesn't mean it's always going to be fun and easy, but I promise you it'll be worth it. If that's you, I just invite you to lift your hand in the air. Even if you're watching or listening online, just make do some sort of faith decision. Right, we're going to pray. And I just invite everyone to join in after me. And if you're praying this for the first time, just mean it with all of your heart. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. Come into my life. I admit to you that I've lived life my own way. I thank you that you died to forgive me for choosing to live my way and not yours. Thank you for, for rising from the dead in victory and including me in this victorious life that's found in you. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to get in touch with you. Uh, If you're online, let us know and we will uh, connect with you and give you some resources to help you on your journey. If you're here and you made that decision, come and see myself or Pastor Melissa and we will will help you on that journey. Uh, One of the ways we help people on that journey is we have a foundations course. Uh, Now this course is for new Christians, but it's also for people that uh, maybe just want a a re-jig of their faith or just a a reset or maybe you've been a Christian for ages, but you've never actually uh, done a course or anything like that. And, and we will be running that after church at the Grace Hub, which is just around the corner at 12 o'clock. And um, see Pastor Mel about that if you would like to be involved. Awesome. Is that everything? Have an amazing week, guys. We love you. Stay warm and dry or don't, whichever your choice is. God bless. Hey, if anyone would like prayer, please come to the front. We'd love to pray with you.